0: Welcome to the Equipping Podcast. My name is Nathan. I'm the Director of Equipping and Apologetics at Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. And my co-host is Karen Henson. What's up, Karen?
1: What's up? So glad to be here with y'all. What you doing? You know, I... <laughs>
0: what kind of question is that? <laughs> like,
1: sitting here talking to you? I'm sitting here you? recording
0: a podcast with you. <laughs>
1: uh... <laughs>
0: oh, that's tight. Hey, uh, who are we talking to today?
1: So today we have the joy of talking with Bruce Demarest, mm. who is an expert of the field of the spiritual life and what spiritual development is.
0: Love that guy.
1: Uh, and so he uh, is kind of unmatched in his understanding and his research mm-hmm. of spiritual life as a journey. And so today we really just want to give him a platform and just let him take the floor and run and uh, let us absorb every ounce of information and understanding that we can from him.
0: Yeah, totally. So you're going to hear this at the beginning and think like, uh, oh, this is normally a conversation. But today we are giving the mic to Bruce to let him just set the stage and give a foundation for... What the spiritual life is all about so we hope you enjoy this episode today we have dr bruce dimarest he was on faculty with denver seminary for a good long while and uh is now retired but has written, actually, the first time I came in contact with uh, Dr. Demarest was through a soteriology class that I took in college and then I've repeated it in seminary where I read his, uh, his book on soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation called The Cross and Salvation. So I just knew him by name only then, and then when I started my doctoral work at Biola University, he came and was one of the guest lecturers for one of my uh, residencies out there and uh, lectured to us on discipleship and spiritual formation, which is uh, the thing that's near and dear to my heart. His lecture to us, though, was really formative for me, and so we're excited to have him on the podcast today to walk through this stuff with him. So, Bruce, first of all, welcome. We're grateful for your time. Thanks, Nathan. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story and your story specifically and why you came to write about uh, spiritual development, spiritual formation, and uh, what the journey has been for you?
2: Yeah, I'd be so glad. And uh, greetings, Watermark people. I'm glad to uh, share time with you today. As Nathan mentioned, I am in the uh, Mile High City. I'm glad to be up here um, and communicating with you uh, by this medium I grew up in the Big Apple, so I'm a small town boy, and I married Elsie, and after the first year of our marriage, God uh, uh, broke into our lives and uh, sent us to Nigeria to uh, help a Christian college get going there, and we went out for two years and we stayed for four. Uh, we enjoyed it so much and saw God's blessing on that work where most of the uh, students in our college are uh, almost all of them became Christians during that time and uh, became quite involved in, in professional and ministry um, avenues there in Nigeria. Um, during that time, I uh, got a sense of going to seminary and, and so I, I didn't go to the Big D, but I, I went to uh, the Big T at Trinity Evangelical School in uh, Illinois and after that, my wife and I went back to Nigeria for an additional year before we got chased out during due to a civil war. And our mission uh, sent us to Europe, specifically to England, uh, where we engaged in the international student ministry. And I worked on my doctorate under a pretty good Bible student, uh, Professor F.F. Bruce at Manchester <laughs> University.
0: Yeah, just a, little, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And that was a great blessing uh, to see a man of such learning and yet such humility and grace. Was It really spoke into my life big big time. Mm. But then uh, teaching at Denver Seminary about midway through my career, a renewal team uh, came to our church, uh, which was very dramatic. And uh, I introduced myself to the leader uh, where they were teaching for eight weeks on spiritual formation and and spiritual guidance and companionship. And uh, he invited me to walk with him. Uh, He wanted to know a little bit more about conservative evangelicals. And I certainly wanted to know uh, more about spiritual formation. So we walked together for two and a half years uh, until he moved out of the area. And uh, one of the things he did for me was to suggest that I go down to a renewal community in New Mexico which I did for a, a course in spiritual formation and direction. Uh, and that was a six week residential program, four weeks the first year, two weeks the second year. And it proved to be absolutely transforming for my life. I would say simply that it got me out of my head where I had been lodging uh, for a few years by virtue of academic work. And uh, got me down into into my heart, into a deepened relationship with the Lord. And um, I I wrote about that experience in a NAV Press book entitled Satisfy Your Soul, Restoring the Heart of Christian Spirituality. And um, God uh, led me to to initiate a, a certificate course for lay people, primarily in the community. And then after that, Launched a a master's degree program and a few years later launched a doctor of ministry program in spiritual formation and guidance. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very transforming experience of my life. And um, I would say it probably was, after my conversion, the most transforming experience of my journey, which told me how faithful God is to lead his people along into a, a deeper more loving relationship with himself hmm. and so what i would like to share with you today is the christian life as a spiritual journey the fact is that uh, life itself is a journey in its uh, various manifestations but especially the christian life may be represented as a, uh, a lifelong and sometimes convoluted journey that leads us from uh, the present world into the glorious Christ-centered world that is to come. As a uh, Larry Kraft noted author wrote, life is a journey toward a land we have not yet seen along a path we sometimes cannot find. Mm-hmm. It is a journey of the soul toward its destiny and its home. And so the fact is that the Christian life should not be an aimless wandering or a pausing as to identifying where we should go, but it rather is a purposeful and challenging pilgrimage of deepening relationship with God toward our heavenly home. And so with respect to that journey that we are on, Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount that the path is narrow and, in fact, it is hard. The gateway is narrow, not everyone comes in, not everyone wants to come in. And it is also a challenge because we live in a fallen world uh, with a self that is not yet uh, completely transformed into Christ-likeness. And so the journey that each one of us travel, as I'm sure we all know and experience, is that the journey is filled with light as well as darkness. It's filled with progress as well as times of setback. It's filled with success as well as failures. It's full of many comforts and blessings as well as trials and afflictions. We want to mention that the journey is dynamic, not static. It's not a straight linear line upward. We could wish that that might be the case, but the reality is it's not. And I think uh, as an image, we could think of our journey as a spiral, a spiral that's hopefully trending upwards, but it involves progressions and, and regressions and pauses and stopping places and seasons of acceleration and, uh, and likewise of rest. And so we can say that our journey is an upward trending a spiral movement of transformation in Christ, such as what God wills. And the fact is that we as individual Christians, as well as um, a corporate uh, reality, such as families and churches and parachurch organizations, uh, may experience the same kind of spiral-like movement uh, in seasons, stages, and even dark nights. So, the reality is that uh, you and I, as followers of Jesus, must plan for the journey on which we embarked. As one our early church father in the third century wrote, there is no arrival at our destination unless we have a plan to go. Hmm. And certainly, God has given us the outlines, even the details of that plan in sacred scripture. But since the Christian life is a, uh, we could say, a synergy between God's working and our working, we must understand the dynamics of the spiritual journey. I was a baseball fan and played a little baseball in my day. And uh, I remember as a boy, a player with the New York Yankees, my hometown, called Yogi Berra. (laughs) <laughs> Some of you might uh, be seasoned enough to remember his name. And he was a great philosopher in his own way. And uh, Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll wind up somewhere else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very profound. So we
2: we too need to know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll wind up differently, wh- wherever that is. Uh, and so the idea of a biblical journey is... Uh, is very clear in scripture. We see, for example, Abraham's journey as God called him from Ur of the Chaldees to leave the security of his home to travel to an unknown land. Um, And on that journey in his new found land, uh, the scripture tells us very plainly that uh, Abraham lost patience with God. He lied twice about Sarah's identity and he disobediently sought a son with Hagar. So there were up times on the call of God in his life, but there were also downtimes, times, of wandering, times of straying from the path, times of, of disobedience. But God blessed the man Abraham with a land and many descendants. So that in spite of uh, his willfulness along the way, Abraham is described as a as a friend of God. And he became the father of a great nation through whom the Messiah would come. And then, of course, there was David and uh, the journey that uh, David launched. Uh, God chose this lowly sheepherder because of his faith and character. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David was anointed king by Samuel and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And yet uh, scripture plainly reveals the shortcomings of David as he uh, gave into lies, as he uh, was an adulterer and a murderer. Uh, The low point of his journey was adultery with Bathsheba and murder of uh, her husband Uriah and his attempted to cover up uh, that tragedy. And yet, by sincere confession of repentance which we read about in Psalm 38 and and Psalm 51. David gained a restored relationship with God, became Israel's greatest king, wrote 73 songs of praise to God, and led the Jewish nation to the height of influence and power. And David, of course, became the distant ancestor of Jesus Christ and a man after God's own heart. And so we, would, uh, we could think also of the journey of Peter. Uh, it seems like I, affa- I share some affinities with Peter, um, a man who left everything to follow Jesus, who became a leader and spokesperson of the disciples in spite of his impulsiveness and his short-sightedness. Uh, he made a notable confession of uh, Jesus as the Christ in Matthew chapter 16, but uh, his character along the way was characterized by uh, dullness, impulsiveness, and uh, overconfidence. And then we remember that in spite of his lively assertions that he would never deny Jesus three times, Peter, Simon denied knowing the Lord. And then of course, Jesus engaged Simon on the shores of the Lake of Galilee, ministered to him, restored him. And on that walk, Simon died and Peter was reborn. And uh, the disciple became the rock upon which Christ has built his church and became the leader of the Palestinian church, preaching the gospel there. And tradition tells us that uh, his journey ended as he was crucified in the year 64 under Nero. And so there are many other biblical journeys, uh, not the least of which is the Apostle Paul, who was trained under the Jewish scholar Gamaliel. Mm. Uh, He engaged in frenzied, uh, hateful persecution of Christians. And yet, in God's grace and, and will, he had a personal encounter with the Lord on the Damascus Road leading to his conversion and then, interestingly, Paul went into uh, the desert for solitude for at least two and a half years, mm-hmm. where he received his gospel message and developed a passion for Jesus Christ and became the greatest Christian apostle and missionary in the history of the church. And and so there are not only many biblical stories of uh, individuals who pursued a spiritual journey, but Christians throughout the centuries have also written and uh, reflected much on the nature of the spiritual journey. I think of John Bunyan, who lived in the 17th century, and, and this Puritan was well known for many edifying writings, probably the most famous classic being his work, Pilgrim's Progress. And in that most popular work on Christian spirituality in the English language a Bunyan dramatizes the pilgrimage Christians undertake to pass from this world to the next. And Bunyan narrates in his book, how a pilgrim enters the straight gate and follows the dangerous path past the hill of difficulty, suggesting that the Christian life, I think as we all experience, has its challenges and difficulties and trials. He passes the Doubting Castle, indicating the doubts and uncertainties and confusion that sometimes uh, afflicts us on the journey. He passes the Slough of Despond and the River of Death, as well as the City of Destruction, where many lodge en route all the way to the Celestial City And according to Bunyan, the journey requires watchfulness, discipline, prayer, struggle, and the support of fellow Christians on that path. Psychologists also have reflected on the journey from their knowledge uh, in the social studies field. And I'd like to look at a, a general journey paradigm here that will introduce the major model that I want to emphasize here shortly. And we could call that a developmental model from the social sciences in four broad stages. And that is chronologically on childhood from birth to age 20, marriage and family between 20 and 40, middle age between 40 and 50 or so, And then maturity, um, let's say 55 plus, and each one of them has a major theme. For example, the child and adolescent asks, who am I? The householder in the marriage and family stage asks, what is my work? What is my role in life? The middle-aged person asks, what is the gift that I can contribute to my contemporaries? And then the wise man, wise woman at maturity asks the question, what is my legacy? And so going back to the uh, childhood and adolescent stage, in infancy, the young person and adolescent is tasked with uh, the challenge of developing trust and autonomy and initiative and industry And all of these values at this tender age should develop alongside physical life. Spiritual life also should be entered into and likewise should develop along with physical life. In the second developmental stage, the householder or marriage and family, the question there again is, what is my work? But I found from my own life, and as I observe uh, our three children, who who are now a bit past uh, the marriage and the family, I I find out that in that stage, we are striving uh, fervently to provide for our family, uh, to succeed, perhaps to prove ourselves that we are a real woman or a real man. And words that are characteristic of this stage as we set out in the world to make our way, lay our foundation, and establish uh, ourselves um, in vocation and in family life, words characteristic of this stage would be achievement, success, winning, proving, and at this stage our tendency is to be circumference rather than centered people. And by centered, I mean people whose focus on life is almost entirely centered on the person of Jesus Christ. We tend to be living on the periphery often or circumference of the Christian life. And during this um, marriage and family stage where we're getting established in life, Even Christian work that we uh, engage in can be performance-driven with um, the values of outcomes and and visible uh, results. Moving to the third stage then, a sort of middle age where the question is, what is my gift? What often happens here is the experience of dissatisfaction in life or crisis that promotes an inner journey. In other words, people here tend to say, well, I've lived half a century now, but uh, what's it all about? What is it all for? And so this sort of dissatisfaction that can arise prompts an inner journey, a movement inward to discover God more fully, more intentionally, and to, to, to nurture our relationship uh, with God himself. One psychologist has said, we cannot live the afternoon of life according to the program of life's morning. That is, the person at this stage realizes that they can't live the second half of life with sort of the, the energy, enthusiasm, commitment to certain values that we, that we lived in the, in the first half of life. So if midlifers journey inward to discover one's true self in Christ and and the triune God in a loving relationship, the result will be significant personal integration. And here in this third stage of life, the Christian tends to journey inward to practice intentional spiritual disciplines, uh, various forms of, of prayer, Bible meditation, and retreating, and keeping a journal, and walking with a spiritual companion. And the outcome is is that um, we come to know Christ in a deeper, more profound way, especially at this season of life where we've been there and we've done all of that previously. And uh, early attractions then quite appear um, more hollow than they did in the past. The final stage, the wise person, maturity, with the question, what is my legacy? Here, the person, the Christian pilgrim, discovers the wisdom of maturity found in releasing more and more and more of their life to God. The primary goal at this stage is to know God even more intimately And to give oneself in service to other people and uh, indeed to be thinking about the life to come and to come to terms with uh, one's own passing into the next world. And so a scripture that might represent uh, the the Christian pilgrim at this uh, final stage uh, is found in Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 4.18. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to Bruce today. If you liked it, subscribe, tell your friends. You can also email us any questions you may have at equippingpodcast.watermark.org. And we hope that you'll tune in next week where we get to dig into the spiritual journey just a little bit more. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, why are you looking at me like that?
0: You got to say bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.